You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? Identify yourselves. Dr. Leonid Pavel, nuclear physicist and podcast enthusiast. And what are we listening to, Doctor? Fanholes, the pop culture podcast made for fans by fans. And who is capable of shutting off this podcast? Only me. Only you. Thank you, Dr. Pavel. Thanos, take control. Take control of your podcast. This is your liberation. Welcome back to another exciting episode worthy of the bellies of the 12 gods of fan holes. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about two different things, but thematically, like very slimly, the, the glue that ties these two themes together is Batman. And uh, we're going to talk about the movie first. Uh, it's a movie from Sandy Colera called Hunter Prey. And then we're going to follow it up by talking about the whole Batman Night of the Owls event. Um, and so that's basically what we're here to discuss. Uh, this is Derek, Derek WC. I'm your host tonight on Fan Holes. And I'm joined here by my fellow Fan Holes sound off guys. I'm Mike Thunderwing. Justin Goodluck. I hope you rot in the bellies of twelve gods, sir. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll just kind of get into it. But uh, the, the the reason why Batman kind of ties together to this movie Hunter Prey is it, it comes from a filmmaker named uh, Sandy Colora. And uh, if you don't, if you his name sounds kind of familiar, and you're like, who is that again? Like, what did he do? Like, he, he's kind of famous for in the comic book community because, you know, at, at Comic-Con he released the film Batman Dead End, and that was like the crazy short film where, you know, you had Batman there and he's going after the Joker and then all of a sudden a predator shows up and an alien shows up and all kinds of crazy shit happens. So, of course, everybody went ape shit when they were watching it because it was all this kind of fanboy stuff. And then uh, he made a follow-up to that, which I think is really good, which was the uh, the World's Finest trailer that had Superman and Batman in it. And it was kind of like he made a little mini-movie trailer of how, you know, a Superman-Batman movie would kind of be. And I always thought that was pretty, pretty freaking awesome. I, I always remember him because his name sounds like a disease. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. 
It's um, like a it's like a sand people disease or something. It's like a Tuscan Raider disease. You have oh, sandy oh, cholera. Oh, <laughs> and he dies. I, I thought sand people had Anakin Skywalker disease. <laughs> Unable to avoid a lightsaber disease. <laughs> Annie, Annie, uh, Annie disease. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, this is a, a science fiction film, Hunter Prey, that he he created, and it's a full length feature film. So I guess you know, based on a lot of the hype and kind of you know buzz that they generated from those two trailers, you know, they, they basically went off and made their own feature length film. And uh, you know, what was funny was one night I think I came home and my dad was watching like the end of this. And, you know, I mean, the, the, the character designs and the makeup and the, the sets and everything, you know, I guess not really a set, but it's on location. But, you know, it's like all that stuff. I was kind of like, wow, what's this? It's like it's not in space, but it's like it's like, you know, you could tell it was like science fiction. And I'm like, what the heck's this? Like, I, I've never seen this. What is this? You know, so I thought it might be something kind of fun to uh, to share with uh, with uh, my fellow fan holes and just, you know, kind of get their thoughts on it, see what they thought of it and everything. Um, but, uh, you know, what, what did you guys, I mean, do you have any, uh, initial reactions to the film? Like, do you, did you like it? Did you hate it? Did you think it was so-so? Like, what's, what's your take on it? Kind of gave me, like, early on, it kind of gave me the vibe of, like, a bad, like, fan film or something. Okay. And then, yeah. you know, eventually I was kind of like, okay, it's just kind of a low-budget like, you know, kind of like sci-fi channel movie almost. But, you know, I thought the twist was pretty good in that, you know, the the, the thing they're hunting is actually a man, you right, know. Right, But uh, eventually I found it hard to take it seriously because that dude from far away, he looked, I thought he looked like Zach Galifianakis. So <laughs> I, thought the <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was like, you know, it's like a, a Cylon hunts Zach Galifianakis in the desert or something pretty much, so... That's that, that's funny because that that was the guy they cast as Batman, so that's kind of interesting. Because for me, I'm kind of like like the way the way I rationalize it, which is why I, I would get people to watch this. I would say, you know what this movie is? It's Batman versus Thanos. And you're like, how did how did you make that leap, Derek? But basically, the guy who you know plays the the human that's on the planet, and the guy who plays the the main alien, who's the hunter who's tracking him on the the alien planet, is uh, is the guy who played Thanos in that last five minutes of Avengers or whatever. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't so, know that. So yeah, so that's. That's how I sort of tie that into. I mean, I just figured there there were things in it that you know whether they're like nods to other sci-fi films. I mean, you know, like you said, the 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 story is kind of what it is. I mean, it's it's it seemed like you know kind of like I guess this guy's version, like, kind of like how Quentin Tarantino made Kill Bill to to sort of conglomerate all the themes and genres and styles and stuff that he loves like it seems like this guy just tried to do that with like a low budget sci-fi film yeah there was a lot of like stuff that i was like oh like he kind of got that like from this and that and you know like like you know he had like i, I was like oh he probably maybe got that from halo because the guy had like an ai like a female ai like buddy and stuff and then you know so other other things like leapt out at me like just uh, I was like, oh, that's kind of similar to this, and you know, homagey to that and whatnot. Yeah, I think I think he basically like even in the audio commentary on the film, he talks about how you know 
basically all the influences and stuff. Like, he'll specifically cite out different movies and stuff. Like, for me, like, what I thought was kind of obvious when I watched it the first time was, you know, when, when the three of them, I guess, you know, what you're calling the Halo Commandos or what I might call, like, the the Django Fets or, you know, whatever they <laughs> you know, these, these kind of aliens. I thought they looked a lot like Cylons, almost. Right, like, right. Their, their, their silhouette, at least, like, was very Cylon-y. And, and when they're kind of tracking the guy through the desert, there's, like, three of them walking through the desert. And, you know, in the commentary, he tries to cite some other, like, famous, you know, less sci-fi movies, kind of like Lawrence of Arabia and things like that. But, like, he also does mention Planet of the Apes. And I'm kind of like, when I saw that, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like when Taylor and the other two guys are, like, walking around through, like, basically the, the you know, Forbidden Zone and all the messed up stuff after they crash. And that kind of, you know, the pace of it, you know, it wasn't like so MTV, like, flash cut, flash cut, super fast. You know, it's like they kind of took their time and you could enjoy the landscapes and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, if you're, if you're kind of yearning for something that's not so, you know, flash cut heavy, I guess, that th- this might be something that interests you. Um, I'm curious, though, Justin, like, did you catch anything, like any little nods or anything that you liked or, you know, actors or anything that you kind of noticed that stood out to you or? Um, you know, you mentioned like Planet of the Apes. Like, I felt that it felt like the movie was set in like, you know, the Forbidden Zone or like on Tatooine or something. Like, I got that early right. on. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but the human guy, like, he's got this little white design on his vest or whatever that looked kind of like the um the little things that they wear on Planet of the apes you know they've got that little padded chest thing with these little like i guess it's like their language yeah, yeah. kind of like that like i was like that looks like a leftover Planet of the apes costume almost at least a chest piece but uh yeah like um, it seemed like he was going for a very uh how, how should i put it like not 70s vibe per se but like 70s science fiction vibe you know like the stuff that he must have grown up with as a kid or that kind of thing yeah um but like for you know the the movie itself like i wasn't sure i was gonna like it like when i got into watching it i'm like um i don't know this might be like a bad sci-fi channel movie but uh i really got into it like i like the design of those trooper guys like they felt you know mike says cylons like i felt they were kind of like i don't know like republic Commandos or maybe yeah yeah yeah. Or yeah I saw that too yeah but uh, I like their design um, I like the characters too like that the the commander who kept giving the other guy like a hard time I'm just like man just go ahead and kill this guy I know you really <laughs> yeah, want to yeah. just go ahead for it um, I was kind of surprised when they took off their helmets they were you know they had this like elaborate makeup I was like well that's a surprise and I thought that makeup was actually really well done. And, you know, for it to be like kind of a you know a film with a restricted budget, um, but as far as like you know the predator or the hunter that they're hunting, like I figured he would either be a human or he would be something extremely ugly like a predator. So that kind of didn't surprise me. But um, the film itself, like I really liked it actually. Like I was kind of surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I see what Mike's saying, especially about like the first twenty minutes because you brought up like the Republic commandos like you know in the back of your head you're listening to it and it's all just kind of like you know and you're kind of like oh when are they going to take off their fucking helmets so i can understand what the hell they're saying type thing so i mean i could understand the the idea that like you know 
oh, this is kind of like a bad fanfic film or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. But I think, you know, once you kind of get into it, I mean, a a lot of the comparisons I think that people make to this film also is, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but the uh, Dennis Quaid, uh, Louis Gossett Jr. movie, Enemy Mine, it's like a sci-fi movie where, like, they both crash on the same planet and, you know, one of them's the alien and one of them's the human and they kind of eventually have to sort of work together and that kind of thing. Like, you guys, have you guys ever seen that movie? I've actually Maybe. never seen it. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's, that's pretty, I mean, I don't know. I guess, I guess if Tony was here, we'd be like, like old men and, and we'd be reminiscing <laughs> about Enemy Mine, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, since I guess I'm, I'm the older guy of the the crew now you know it's like that's something that you know i i think i don't know i'd have to look it up but you know i'm sure it came out in the the early 80s and stuff like that so i mean if you've never seen it i would at least check it out i mean it's a pretty cool science fiction movie if anything else um but to me it's it's like this was kind of like a low budget um i i want to say poor man's version of that or at least it, it it seems to have themes of that whereas you know they've got you know the guy who plays the alien is uh you know an african-american actor like lewis gossett jr his name is uh i'm trying to i i wrote it down it's damien potier so portier so who played thanos but he also played uh, this guy centauri seven who's the you know, it becomes the lead hunter character in the film. So, like, that kind of reminded me, too, of, like, oh, I remember when Louis Gossett Jr., like, had all that cool makeup on, and he was, like, an alien, you know, and he's sitting there kind of going, like, witch, and all this kind of stuff. And so I know you guys don't know what that is, but, you know, if anybody's seen Enemy Mine, they know what the hell witch is. So they know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just kind of thought it was cool because I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, that's the dude who played Batman in his short films, which I thought were kind of neat. And, uh, you know, I definitely agree with you guys about the whole, you know, Cylon, Republic Commando type looking guys and stuff like that. Um, also, uh, the, the, the voice of his little computer box uh, that was talking to him the whole time, that was um, Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even know that until I saw the credits. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I guess they must have, uh, you know, finagled her into, you know, recording for a couple hours in a, you know, studio somewhere or something like that. But that was kind of cool. I mean, you know. <laughs> the thing that made me, like, chortle the most was when, <laughs> what do you call the, what do you, what's his name? Centauri 7 did his little flying tiger knee into the guy. Oh, when, like, uh, when the other <laughs> bounty hunter shows up and he Yeah, when he, like, uh, when the human, like, kind of ducked and he just ran and, like, Tiger need uh, like green Hellboy or whatever, yeah. but but that's kind of ironic because uh, the the commander, the guy who like dies, that was uh, I think the actor's name is Isaac Singleton, and uh, he voices Sagat in Street Fighter Four. So I was like, maybe that was kind of a little nod to him or not, but it looked exactly like a Tiger knee. Oh, a so, Tiger knee. That's rad. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I the, the only thing I would say is, like, I kind of, I, I, I felt like they were trying to, like, end the movie on a note where they, they, they liked both characters so much they couldn't let one win over the other type thing. And so, and it also seemed like they were trying to open it up to, like, hey, guys, like, we can make sequels of this if you like it, you know, whereas I kind of wish they had, you know, just let one one dude or the other kind of, have a definitive win because it just seemed kind of like 
It was kind of, well, it was well, kind of like, over, you know, you know, like, yeah, well, well, one of them was like, ha ha, and then the other one was like, ha ha, and then the other one was like, ha ha ha, you know. Well, they, they like keep, a, they, 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 you know, they, they have this thing where they keep having a game with each other on this planet, and, you know, one guy gets the comeuppance on the other guy as they proceed, but my, my attitude was, you know, kind of like, towards the end, I'm kind of like, okay, well, this guy you know, is going to go off and blow up your home planet like you did to his. And it's kind of like you just let him go. And it's like, but then you're kind of like thinking in the back of your head, well, he let him go earlier in the movie. So is it like, is he trying to like pay the karmic balance? Is he trying to like basically let the guy go? Because he has a secret Batman prep time plan that we don't know about that's going to be implemented in some sequel that we'll never see, you know, like, it's just like one of those things where it just, it felt kind of like a undefinitive ending is the only, you know, real criticism that, that I would have towards the film. You wanted them to team up and like have adventures at the end? No, no, I, I just or? wanted, I wanted, if, if he was going to snipe the one guy, I wanted him to snipe him and say, fuck this planet, I'm going to go home now. Or, or if he was going to let him go, then you're kind of like, well, I, I don't know. It seems odd to me. Like, to, I, I can't put myself in that guy's shoes that much. I, I can't imagine being indebted enough to sacrifice your whole planet, or I can't imagine letting someone go to destroy your whole planet, but in the back of your head thinking, hey, I can totally, like, turn this around. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean? it's true. Like, it, it's like, it's kind of it, like, what are you thinking? Yeah, like, yeah. I just, I, I just kind of, I, I, I see, I see where the guy didn't shoot him in the first part of the movie where it made sense because he needed him. But to me, I'm kind of like, well, what, at the end of the movie, I'm kind of like, I don't see where he needs this guy. So that's why I was kind of like, uh, I don't really get his his logic there, you know. But that's that's just me. But yeah, um, so that was uh, that. That's the Sandy Calora film, uh, Hunter Prey. Uh, I guess there were some spoilers there. Um, so if you if you you know obviously are listening, you know you kind of got let in on some of the the twists and turns and secrets. But you know I, I think it's worth watching. You know I think it's worth yeah. checking out. You know, um, but um, I guess you know tying it into the loosely themed you know uh, you know it's like. Clark Bartram, who played uh, Orin Jericho, who was the the human character in the film, he was Batman in uh, the uh, World's Finest and the uh, the Batman Dead End short that that filmmaker did as well. And so we're also going to be talking about Batman: Night of the Owls. You're insane. Does it really matter? There are alternate versions of me that you would find quite charming. Now, this was a big event that ran through pretty much, I mean, with the exception of, like, I don't know what, like, Batwoman or something. Like, it ran through yeah. pretty much all the, the Batman titles. And, uh, you know, it, it, it basically it deals with uh, the Court of the Owls, which is this new uh, sort of evil organization, this kind of uh, Illuminati of Gotham City where, you know, there's a super secret ancient organization that has remained hidden for years and it kind of creeps up out of the woodwork and kind of puts Batman through the ringer. I'm just curious, like, like I guess me, I'm thinking in terms of, like, the tie-in, just to get this out of the way, like, do you think this was kind of, like, an overkill thing with all the tie-ins? Because it seemed like, to me, it was a really good Batman story, and, and, you know, if you kind of just read 
you know, say like Batman, you know, one through 11, you know, uh, pretty much like you get the gist of the story. Like, you know, there's just going to be like one scene where you see his family kind of going off to stop some of these other guys. And if you want to, I guess you could go and read those those other tie in books. But you don't really need those tie in books. Like, did you think it was kind of overkill, like sort of like how Blackest Night originally started out as like a Green Lantern story, but then it kind of unraveled into this whole sort of like Blackest Night Flash, Blackest Night Superman, Blackest Night JSA, Blackest Night blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just kind of like everything became labeled with that that crossover all of a sudden. Like, uh, I mean, did you guys, what did you guys think about that? I, I think the only ones that are actually worth reading outside of like Batman 1 through 11 or 12 are the Nightwing tie-ins. Like, I enjoyed those. Like, originally I was only reading Nightwing and Batgirl, so... You know, I I just kind of went back and read all this for the podcast, but uh, like I really enjoyed Batman one through twelve because it just told like one story throughout, and then it's like you know it ties into Nightwing because it kind of goes into like some of his family. It's like you know giving him kind of like not a new origin but like new background kind of like I enjoyed that. You know, it's kind of like uh, introduce some you know more conflict between uh, you know Bruce and Dick Grayson. Like I kind of enjoyed that a little bit, but um. The other tie-ins, like, I didn't really enjoy them all that much. Like, the Batman annual with Mr. Freeze, like, I thought that was awful. I hate his new origin. It's just like... Yeah, that, that was actually that was actually my a question on my list was, was how much does Jason hate annual... Or how much does Jason... Amal, how much does Justin hate annual one? Like, because I know... On a I scale know, of 1 to 10 and 11. It's huh? just like, on a scale of 1 to 10, I hate it. Like, and oh, it's 11. 11. Um... Yeah, I mean, they took Victor Freeze, and he, you know, he goes for being, like, this sympathetic bad guy who's just trying to, like, you know, you know, rob banks or whatever to, like, provide for his wife and bring her back to life. He goes from that, you know, you kind of feel sorry for the guy, even though he's, like, a bank robber and freezes people on ice or whatever. And now he's just this crazy person who, like, kills his mom, and Nora is just some woman he's obsessed with, and, you know, he's just... There's really nothing there. They, 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 they made him a, a cryo stalker, basically. Yeah. But like, but 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 that's I I don't know. Like I, I on on like the devil's advocate side of it, that's like I think the reason why people enjoy uh, Scott Snyder's work because he wrote that annual as well, along with like one through eleven, is it, it seems like he takes some things and you know kind of like how Alan Moore kind of twisted Swamp Thing's origin around and stuff like that. I, I'd say this is a similar twist to Mr. Freeze's origin. I mean, I could see people being disappointed with that, especially because, you know, the cartoon series where that whole take on Mr. Freeze originated, you know, it's like people grew up with the the animated series and, you know, it won an Emmy, and so it's really ingrained into people's, you know, minds and psyches and everything like that. But, you know, at, at the same time, to me, I'm kind of like, oh, well, he's offering a different spin on it, and, and also... You know, I, I always was kind of like, to me, like, it's like, I didn't really grow up with Batman the Animated Series. I mean, obviously I watched it, but by, by the time that was on, I was kind of like in high school, and I thought it was a cool show. Do you know what I mean? But it's like, I grew up with, like, superpowers and Mr. Freeze, and, you know, he's just some goofball who got into an accident, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the wilderness, and then he had a cold suit, and, like, there wasn't any of this pathos and stuff. He was just a goofball with a big, uh, big 
fishbowl on his head. Do you know what I mean? And like, to me, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, a part of me kind of chuckles about it. Like where it's like, oh, they basically sort of, you know, he kind of choded that, that sentimental type, you know, bleeding heart origin for him. And it's like, I can appreciate where people really like that. Like, it's a good, great episode of Batman, the animated series. I'm not saying it's not, but you know, I, 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 part of me just takes a little twisted pleasure in the fact that like, you know, okay, like he, it turns out like he's like fucking bonkers, you know, like he's not, he's not who you thought he was type thing. So I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like the same thing with, with me, maybe it would be a little bit like my, my initial reaction to the whole, like I was going to ask you guys, because uh, this is another thing that Scott Snyder kind of turns on its head in the course of the, the series, but what's your take on Joe Chill? Like, because that's another thing that people got into, like, a heated debate about. You know, in the past, you know, you've had, like, the original origin where it's, like, Joe Chill's the guy who, you know, well, I guess original is is not that original. But, you know, for a long time in Batman's history, Joe Chill was the guy who killed Bruce Wayne's parents. And, you know, you see it in things like Batman Begins. You see it in things like Batman Brave and the Bold. Like, you know, Joe Chill's pretty entrenched in Batman history and lore. But then also you have the stuff where, like, in Zero Hour, you know, post-Zero Hour, they decided, would it be cooler if Batman never found his killer? You know, and it's kind of like what my buddy Mike go says, you know, the guy from the Batman Live uh, show that I did, you know, he, he says, uh, you know, is it Joe Chill or Random Chill? And so, like, to me, it seems like Snyder kind of implemented the whole, you know, the whole Random Chill thing in the fourth issue where he kind of says, um, it basically he says, you know, Bruce Wayne kind of says, oh, it's just some plain old Joe Chill, some no-name like, what, what's your guys' opinion on that? I mean, I, my, my initial gut reaction is to be like, ah, I hate that that it's random chill. Like, I kind of hate random chill. But, you know, to me, the this story, this 11 issues, is so good, you know, I, I don't really get to... It's kind of like Brian Michael Bendis' ideas, but they're executed to me rather excellently. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like the execution is so good that, that the fact that it's, you know, the fact that Scarlet Witch, you know, blows up everybody like that uh, gut reaction to me is like, oh, I hate that. And then you read it and the execution is just fucking terrible, you know, but then it's like Scott Snyder. It's like my gut reaction to random chill or Mr. Freeze being, you know, in your case, you know, uh, uh, cryo stalker. It's like the gut reaction might be like, Ooh, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to like this, <laughs> but the execution to me is done so well that, that I don't really, you know, I enjoy the story regardless of my, my trepidations, I guess. It, but I'm just curious what you guys think. You're like data and generations. You're like, I hate this. It is revolting more, please. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> But, like, the random chill, like, I didn't really like that. Like, there's some more stuff that, like, changed with the origin that I didn't really care for, like, um, Alfred's dad being, like, Bruce's first caretaker and, like, the, you know, his brother that you never knew oh, ever yeah, existed. Jar- like, Jar- I did Jarvis, Jarvis Pennyworth as, yeah, as I, dad and everything. I, I didn't care for that at all, to be honest. Like, I was more aggravated by that than the random chill versus Joe chill stuff. But Right, right. What, what about you, Mike? I mean, do you have any take on Random Chill versus Joe Chill? Like, do you have any opinion? Not especially. I mean, the best take I've ever seen on the Joe Chill, like, topic 
is in the the Batman Adventures comic, like that was you know based on the cartoon and stuff, where it is Joe Chill that killed his parents, but Batman doesn't know who Joe Chill is. So like that, there's this really good like standalone issue where like it's like you know thirty forty years later and Joe Chill's like. Uh, like, he's so, like, insane with guilt that he sees Bruce Wayne's face everywhere. So, like, um, he gets into a fight with, like, Batman. Like, he has to do, like, one last job. And, uh, he gets into a fight with Batman. And, um, Batman's, like, mask comes off in the fight. And, like, he sees Bruce Wayne's face. But since he sees Bruce Wayne's face everywhere, you know, he doesn't really tweak to that. And, like, he gets so, like, panicked that he, like, falls to his death, and, like, Batman's like, you know, why didn't, like, you know, he I, I extended my hand, you know, why didn't he reach for me and, like, you know, try to pull himself up? I don't get it. You know, and, like, you know, Batman never finds out, like, that was the guy who killed his parents. Hmm. But, you know, so I thought that was kind of a more, like, I don't know, interesting take. But, you know, I guess it doesn't matter to me, really, that all much. Like, I mean, I'm sure there are good stories that come out of Batman never knowing who killed his parents, or and even, like, the readers never knowing it, who it was. And I'm sure there are, like, good stories of, like, like that Brave and the Bold episode where he knows, where he knows exactly who it is, and, you know, uh, they have some kind of final confrontation or whatever. What about when Cletus Cassidy killed his parents? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that, <laughs> and he made some bad jokes about it, and, like, Bruce Wayne was like, I still remember his terrible jokes, you know? <laughs> like, hey, Snacky, give me your pearls, you know? He's like, <laughs> no, um, I, just me personally, like, I'm, I, I do definitely side with the Joe Chill, and Batman knows Joe Chill, and Joe Chill's been caught, like, I'm, I'm kind of in that camp, like, I, I enjoy that more than random chill, like, I definitely have a gut adverse reaction especially when that's brought up you know so much so that i try to like you know rationalize it where it's like well he he did call him joe chill do you know what i mean like i'm still <laughs> trying to like like fit that back into the, the to the mix because for for me like the way i look at it is i i think it makes batman a different person because you know if he's never found the killer and doesn't know who the killer is there's there's this kind of vibe that he does it because of the unknown Whereas if he knows and the killer's been brought to justice, then that means he's grown beyond the 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 initial impulse. Do you know what I mean? It, it's almost like I, I like it better that he he continues to be Batman of his own volition and not just for some I don't know some some sneaking thing in the back of his head that one day he'll find the killer. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of I, I like it better that he's out there trying to prevent what happened to him as a little boy, and that that he's trying to do it for everybody and not just for himself. Like that that's kind of how I see it. I don't know if uh, you know. I know to some people they they think that that you know that what I'm saying doesn't add up somehow. But you know, I mean that that's just kind of my take on the whole thing and i thought it was an interesting topic because it, it's it's clearly broached in this you know in this uh this arc that 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 is getting a lot of acclaim i mean you know i i think it's interesting because it's like you know you you've got certain things like you know this is the guy who wrote black mirror and even in the first issue you can see uh you know james gordon jr's hanging out in uh in arkham asylum so he's definitely preserve things from from his run of Batman, even though, you know, there's things that he's tweaked and altered. And it, it looks like even with the Joker, there's going to be some 
some changes to the Joker's origin, I'm sure, coming up here in the in the next arc, probably. But, um, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, we haven't talked too much to Mike about it, but, like, what did you think of, of Court of the Owls? Like, I know you said you got the, the first hardcover, and now we're kind of looking at this crossover. I mean, you know, was it something where you enjoyed it or disliked it, or what, what did you think of it? I, I actually very much enjoyed it, although a technical note first off, uh, the, the hardcover I got about, like, Ten, not ten, no, more like five, five or six pages in the middle of the story are printed upside down. So I was oh. kind of annoyed about that. Okay. I was like, "You mean I have to turn this trade over to read it?" I mean, come on, DC, you know. I was like, "This just goes to show you, Marvel has a superior trade program." I guess, you know? yeah. Well, but, that sucks. Yeah, but yeah, no, I liked it a lot. Um, you know, there's a lot of I don't know cool moments and like I, I really enjoy like. Uh, I don't know, like, it, it kind of, like, I like it when Batman isn't, like, perfect, and, you know, I like it when, like, you know, like, Alfred and, like, Dick Grayson are, like, you know, how do you know, you know, the Court of Owls doesn't exist, and, ben, and like, Bruce Wayne's kind of like, well, because I looked into it, and they don't exist, you know, so, yeah, <laughs> and then, like, that, like, that, you know, it turns out they do exist, and, you know, Batman kind of is like, oh, okay, well, I guess I was wrong then, yep, you know, it's like, well, let's, it's like, let's fix this yeah, problem yeah. then. No, no, but, I totally um, agree about that. I, yeah. I mean, even in terms of villains, it's kind of like, it reminds me of the days of, like, you know, KG Beast and stuff, where it's like, oh, shit, you know, here's some guys who can actually, you know, fuck Batman shit up. I mean, you know, obviously it's a comic, and you have to kind of, you know, a part of me is like, shit, what did he do? Like, drink some of the Mr. Freeze serum? Because, like, you know, he does get pretty fucked up in that comic book, and you're like, yeah, like, like I, how, I, is he, how is he still going after that? But, you know, you kind of got to go, yeah. like, hey, he's a... <laughs> He's a superhero, and even though everybody's like, you know, oh, anybody can be Batman, I'm like, well, anybody can't get a fucking knife shoved through their back and out through their stomach and still be bat-swinging around a few issues yeah. later, you know, so. Or, 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 like, hang off the edge of an airplane engine that's, like, moving, right, like, right. and, you know, finagle his way out of that. Yeah, yeah, or, or fall, like, you know, 50 million stories and just grab onto a gargoyle and stuff. You know, you just kind of got to be like, hey, he's Batman, he's cool, you know, and kind of be like, whatever, you know, but, so, you know. <laughs> Oh, it, a, a funny part I really loved about that when like the owl or the talon attacks him, um, like up in the like whatever that observatory, like as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And you know he's kind of like, okay, well I can't change costumes, so I just got to kind of make it look like I'm getting lucky with my swings. And he takes like two swings, and he's like, you know, aim for the solar plexus, and then like the owl just blocks him twice, and then Bruce Wayne's just like, okay, fuck this shit, and then he like starts like attacking him like all like, in earnest and, like, tackles him out the window and stuff. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny, but, uh, yeah. But I, I really liked the art, too, like, Greg Capullo's art. Like, that that was really uh, up my alley, pretty much, like, gritty and, like, you know, really stylized. And, uh, you know, Batman really looked cool moving around, and the talons looked cool. And, you know, a lot of cool, like, knife throwing and stuff like that. Yeah, I like uh, I like Greg Capello's art a lot. I mean, you know, ever since to me, I'm like, oh, it's all way back into the days of Quasar and X Force and all kinds of stuff. But like, he he had been working on uh, Spawn for like years and years and years, and then he did Haunt for a little while uh, at Image with Kirkman and McFarlane. And then after he left Haunt, you know, he came over to DC and he was doing all the Batman stuff. So I thought it looked great. I mean, I really 
I, I'm going to agree with that. The the one thing I'll say about that though was I, I remember my initial reaction when the new 52 came out, and and this is why I think the execution was well done because my my initial reaction to uh, meeting Lincoln March, the character, was like, dude, who's this big dude who looks just like Bruce Wayne, and why does Bruce Wayne look so much like younger and hipper? Than this this guy Lincoln March and and to me like you know I mean obviously you know spoilers but you know by 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 the finale you know it's like it, it appears that you know Lincoln March shows up and he's this you know new candidate for mayor in Gotham City and he meets Bruce Wayne and it looks like he's a really nice guy and all this stuff and basically it turns out like he's one of these talons that's being uh, you know honed you know, for for the Court of Owls, but it turns out, like, he's even worse than all of them because he kind of turns the tables on them, and he becomes almost like, you know, Owl Man, basically. You know, so he's Thomas Wayne Jr. You know, he's from the the uh, the the Earth that does not go mentioned from the old pre-crisis where, you know, Thomas Wayne Jr. is Bruce Wayne's brother, which I thought, you know, that's another red flag where you should be like, oh, my God, they're bringing up fucking you know, Bruce Wayne's, like, retarded brother that was, like, from, you know, from the old mental institution. Like, that should be, like, what are they, crazy? But I, I think, I think you know, the execution of it, like, I enjoyed, you know, watching him face off. And it's kind of like, to, to me, it's kind of like, I think even R.I.P., like dabbled in some of that, but they didn't have the balls to actually just come out and say it. I mean, I know, I know there's, they still kind of leave it semi-ambiguous, but at least they had the stones to be like, this guy thinks he's Thomas Wayne Jr. You know, whether it's true or not, you know, they're like, oh, we don't have the DNA and all this other stuff, but to me, I'm like, at least they flat out came out and said it instead of being like, oh, that that could be Bruce Wayne's dad that was in the black glove, or it could be like some random asshole who you don't care about, you know, and then if it's some random asshole, you're just kind of like, ah, whatever, like, enough with the symbolism, Morrison, just give me something on paper, you know, like, whereas this, (laughs) it's like, it's got some of that symbolism, but, you know, with the owl that, like, kills the bat, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, for the most part, it's like, at least it's, to me, it's a little more clear-cut and resolved by the time the storyline finishes, but it's also open-ended enough that it can lead into, you know, other interesting storylines. I did enjoy all that, like, symbolism with the owls and the bats. Like, you know, owls are the predators of bats, and, you know, owls make their nests inside other people's, you know, nests and it, all it that It kind of reminded you know? me, like, some of the panel setups, it did kind of remind me of, like, Craven's Last Hunt, like, where they, they do that, you know, how they have the... the the owl, you know, it's like, uh, what is it? They, they've got the, the owl rhyme where it's like, uh, what is it? They, I think I, I, I wrote it down. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Here, oh, yeah, like kids who are safe in your bed, they'll send a talon for your, for yeah, your yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, it's like, whatever, beware the court of owls that watches all the time, ruling Gotham from a shadowed perch behind granite and lime. They watch you at your hearth. They watch you in your bed. Speak not a whispered word of them, or they'll send the talon for your head. You know, and, like, like that was kind of, you know, I thought it was kind of cool, but when they, when they broke it up into different panels, it kind of reminded me of the whole Tiger Tiger thing from, from Craven's last Yeah, month, definitely. Because it's like they're, they're, they're doing all that kind of setup and everything. And, it, I, I you know, yeah, I mean, I, 
I all this, you know, to me, like, I guess it just goes back to what I was saying. Like, like some of the ideas may go, oh my god, but I think the execution was was really super well done. You know, so I I definitely enjoyed it. No, I do. Like, this is a I guess a general new fifty two complaint, but I kind of miss the the black trunks on the costume ah. actually, because I don't know, it, it kind of has that same like. Captain America and the Avengers movie syndrome where it's like it's all solid and it looks kind of like pajamas or something like if it for to me like it's like solid gray without the belt so I don't know it just looks funny to me when he's not like you know hey, if you're going to be jumping on rooftops all night you need to be comfortable <laughs> you need to be in the bat PJs in the bat <laughs> exactly, war suit yeah. like fighting fighting talents yeah I don't know. I thought I always thought the trunks like broke that up a little, but you know, whatever. It's a minor. It's a minor complaint. Hey, no. I mean, you're not going to get too much of an argument from me. I mean, I, I I like a lot of the classic stuff. I mean, I I just think this this sort of uh, surpassed all those kind of concerns for me, just because I thought the story was yeah definitely really enjoyable yeah. and everything. I mean, you know, even you know, you take like a a. Uh, iconic scene like Frank Miller's year one where, you know, the bat busts through the window and it's supposed to be the baddest motherfucking bat you've ever seen with like thundering, you know, bat, you know, but then it's like, Oh, what, what happened after that? The bat went out the window and an owl ate it, you know, and you're just kind of like chode it, you know, and you're like, wow, (laughs) like that's, that's pretty, you know, I mean, you know, it's to me, that's pretty heavy. Like, I mean, in terms of, of, uh, you know, taking something that's existing, but but putting a totally different spin on it. You know, like what you guys uh, think of like the tie-ins and stuff, like the non uh, Scott Snyder stuff, basically. I'd say like the the stuff that I thought embraced it the most was uh, was All Star Western, like because you know they're already kind of you know they they had done the first arc where they're in Gotham City, and it seems like they're keeping Hex kind of peripherally circling Gotham City, even though he's ridden off to a couple other places throughout the run. So I, I thought they at least, it, to me, it seems like they embraced the Talon concept wholeheartedly, you know, where they were like, it wasn't just like, oh, okay, we'll have a Talon in an issue, we'll have somebody, like, kick its ass, and then that's it, you know, whereas, you know, with, with All-Star, I thought it was kind of like, hey, like, that that was an element of the story, but, but it seemed a little more entrenched into, you know, the inner workings of, you know, because they are in Gotham City, and, you know, it's not just like, hey, Red Hood's coming into town, and he's gonna fuck some shit up, or, you know, that, that kind of stuff, like, you know, where, it, yeah, I don't know, I, I, I think... For me, like the the title that I like the least of the Bat Family right now is Detective Comics. So I probably, you know, it's kind of like, you know, even when you're reading Batman, it's kind of like I'm on my way, and it's like okay, and then it's like follow this in Detective Comics nine, and then come back here for the next panel, and I'm just kind of like no fucking, <laughs> you know, like I don't I don't yeah. need to do that. Like this Detective Comics sucks, but uh, you know, but anyway, I guess I guess this is kind of like a kind of like a Wolverine-esque complaint, but isn't it kind of hypocritical of, like, Batman to, like, you know, let Jason Todd run around killing people and stuff? Like, I, I guess, like, it seems like he has his own, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure this has been going on and whatever, and I'm sure maybe this has been addressed, but, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Bat, it's like, don't kill people. Oh, but I need your help for this one thing, you know? 
Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I guess the only way I could justify it, it or play devil's advocate to it is it's kind of like, well, imagine you have a son, and you had a really good relationship with that son, and then it went really shitty, and he died, and then he came back to life, and now he's out there killing people. It's like, well, eh, and at some point you need his help, even though you kind of disapprove of what how he's living his life. It's like it's not like you're going to go out and, like, you know, fucking put a cap in his head he's batman do you know what i mean like yeah like it's more like son you shouldn't be doing this but you know what like you know it's not like you know basically there's no real boot for batman to put down i mean i suppose you know people would argue oh you should uh you know take him to jail or whatever you know numb nut stuff but of course you can't do that because then you risk you know your whole operation you know basically because he knows everything, yeah. you know, so, I don't know, I mean, to me, I'm kind of like, I, 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 lately, I'm more in line with Jason than anybody else anyway, so, it doesn't really matter to me, but, you know. Yeah, it's, he, he definitely has the most, like, realistic outlook, but I mean, like, in terms of, like, you know, I guess, superhero ethics and stuff, right, and right, how, right. like, these comics have traditionally worked, you know, and, well, you know. Well, but, but think about it, though, because Damien's done, uh, you know, what, like, he's he's whacked, like, two or three people now. So, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, if he, if he has to bring in Jason, he certainly has to address Damien and he's not going to do either of those things. Do you know what I mean? It's just there. It's just there to create, you know, dramatic tension and conflict and kind of like pathos and stuff. It's like, Oh, do I, do I follow my code of superhero outdated ethics or do I, you know, uh, care for my son or my adopted son? You know, in those cases. And I think most times in the case, you're always going to go with blood and ethics. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just speaking for myself, but I, I, I know that's what I would side with. I mean, I would I would sooner go with blood than go with some some flimsy superhero ethics. You know, like, you know, that's just me. But, yeah, I, I don't I don't expect like, you know, Batman to be like, you know, stop shooting people, mister, you know, or yeah. anything. But. You know, I, I'm just I'm I'm just kind of like you know uh, I don't want you doing this, but uh, I think I think also it would be, could you I just think, do this one teensy favor for me? Think, you know, I think because Batman's so personally invested, I think a better question would be like, how come like, Barry Allen hasn't stopped the Red Hood, or how come like Captain Adam hasn't like nuked Damian Wayne, or you know what I mean? Like I know that's <laughs> goofy and wouldn't exactly happen that way, but obviously those guys are less personally connected. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like so. You, you know, that, I think that would be a more valid question than than you know why hasn't Batman done something? But I do agree with Justin, though. Uh, I think the Nightwing issues were the most like you know solidly like tied into everything and whatnot because like you know Dick Grayson had like a background that was directly tied into like the uh, owls and all that. So I, I enjoyed those issues. Do you want to go into the Nightwing issues a little more, Justin? Sure. Um, The Nightwing uh, issues before um, Night of the Owls, like, it's been a pretty solid book. They've been going into his his past anyway, like, exploring his past, like, his time at the circus, like, before and after his parents are killed. And they've been doing some stuff like... uh, you know, some of his buddies from that time are maybe maybe are up to no good, and he's been dealing with a lot of that. So it's just kind of like this whole like you know, Night of the Owls and the Talon and his you know Dick Grayson's bloodline. Like that's just kind of like putting more fuel on the fire for Dick Grayson. Like you know, like I said when I was originally reading, I was only reading like Nightwing and Batgirl. 
So I'm like reading this issue of Nightwing, and it ends with like just you know Bruce like decking him for like it seemed like for little reason, but it's like when you read the whole thing, you're kind of like okay, I, I I get why he punched him, and then you see it's like he's got this like you know weird owl thing in his tooth, like but you know. Without that, I'm just like, man, Bruce is kind of a jerk in the 52. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. He's supposed without to be any, without any context or anything. What? But, uh, like, how do you guys feel about like? I know you said you like the current arc. Like, do you enjoy you know him revisiting his time, like uh, being a part of the circus? Like, what what kind of Nightwing do you guys like or grow up with? Like, I'm just curious. Like. I guess I was always more, not that I read him at all, really at all, but I was always, you know, when I thought Nightwing, I thought, oh, you know, he lives in Bloodhaven, and, you know, he has his own, like, little, like, you know, separate adventures and whatnot, whatnot now. But now I guess he's, like, back in Gotham, and he's, like, back with the circus, so it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, closer to Batman tie-in, I guess. I don't know, like, when I think of Nightwing, I'm kind of like Mike, I think of him, like, setting up in Bloodhaven, like, you know, he's his own man, he's Dick Grayson, and he's going to do everything without the aid of Bruce, and, like, that's that's kind of what I think of, like, I don't, I don't think e- either one's superior at this point, like, I think it's too soon to say, like, oh, I like New 52 Nightwing better or anything, but, uh, I Oh, I, I guess I wasn't, I wasn't so much comparing, like, like, New 52 and, and maybe, you know, I guess, you know, the Nightwing before that, but but I guess what what I was kind of asking is like what what version of Nightwing do you guys like the most? Because I, I was just gonna say like for me like it's it's weird because I realized that a lot of Marvel people guys like you know like Mike you know like like enjoy reading Nightwing or Wally West Flash and things like that. And and while I do really like Wally West's like solo adventures as the Flash, and and I don't dislike. Uh, Dick Grayson's solo adventures as Nightwing, but but I always felt like Dick Grayson was the best when he led his own team, and I always thought that that was something he did better than Batman. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if that's always been reflected accurately in comics, but that's like my personal belief. You know, like when when they do the the Robin, you know, New Teen Titans team up with Batman and the Outsiders, it was like oh. Who's in charge here? Dick, you're in charge. Do you know what I mean? Because you've led a team longer than I have, and you know this shit better than I do. You know, and I was always kind of like, yeah, like, that's that's where he shines. And I think there was a disappointment on, on my behalf when I would read solo Nightwing comics, only because... I think for so long it was like Wolverine where everybody's like, Nightwing needs a solo series. Nightwing needs a solo series. <laughs> and then and then when he got it, it was like, oh, and by the way, he's not leading the Teen Titans. And I was just kind of like, oh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I was like, oh, man. Like that, that kind of vibe. And I guess here it's like I, I, I see what you guys are saying. Like you're enjoying the new take on Nightwing. But I'm kind of like, oh, man, I, I wish he would lead – some kind of team, like, I, I, I kind of miss that. Like, I, I hope that's, uh, you know, something that's brought back. Like, you know, even even as far as, you know, as far back as, like, the, the Justice League arc that was right before the New 52, uh, you know, I know he was Batman then, but to me yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, he's he's the leader. Like, he's, he's doing it. He's living the dream and doing what he does best, you know. Like, so I, I just wanted to sort of, you know, sound off that that was something, you know, that that's the kind of Nightwing that I really like that yeah. to me, it makes him 
non-redundant. Whereas, like, now with the new 52 and you've got, like, four Robins, you're just kind of like, you need to do everything you can to make those characters not, I don't know, to me, you need to do whatever you have to to make them not redundant, you know? Isn't, isn't like, Tim Drake leading a team? Like, Tim Drake's the leader of the Titans now, isn't he? Yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. So. so it's kind of they like kind of switched roles or whatever. Like you get to be Batman Junior now or secondary Batman. So I guess if you guys uh, you know like listening to us talk about Court of the Owls and you know it's by Scott Snyder and Greg Capello. If you like those uh, writer that writer or that artist, you know it's definitely something you might want to check out. I mean I would recommend it definitely to fans of Batman. But even if you're not a fan of Batman, you know you might you might be familiar with uh, Scott Snyder's work from from Swamp Thing or uh, some of his Vertigo titles, which I've never read, you know, and things like that. I, I think people would appreciate that uh, that storyline. And then uh, also, you know, like like uh, Mike and Justin have been saying, if you're a fan of uh, Nightwing, you know, and you enjoy his solo adventures, whether, we're, you know, the old stuff by Chuck Dixon or, you know, some of the newer stuff, you know, you, you probably would definitely enjoy, uh, you know, the new 52 Nightwing title as well. Um, because it gives a lot of focus to the character. You know, he does get to interact with uh, Barbara Gordon and Batgirl. You know, if you're a fan of that, you know, relationship, they do kind of revisit that for a little bit and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Um, and then I guess, uh, I guess we'll move on to our, to our awesome thing of the week. I will start with myself. Um, since it's a Batman podcast, uh, or loosely themed Batman podcast, um, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about this too much, but uh, I just I have two things. Um, but uh, I, I just wanted to mention uh, that uh, The Dark Knight Returns Part 1, direct-to-video, uh, this came out probably a month ago, and by the time this airs, it'll be a gazillion years old. Maybe Part 2 will be out or whatever. But I, I just wanted to mention that, uh, you know, I was kind of apprehensive about this direct-to-video because I didn't really enjoy the Year One adaptation that much. But, man, I thought uh, Dark Knight Returns Part 1 was fucking awesome. I mean, Peter Weller was great as uh, as Bruce Wayne and Batman, and I really, really enjoyed it a lot. Um, I thought it was a great adaptation, and I was I was really surprised. And then I guess the second thing is uh, something that I, I didn't get a chance to talk to uh, anybody about on the podcast, but uh, uh, one of the things I had always wanted was the, uh, the full-size version of the Dark Knight Returns statue. And uh, this is like an old DC statue where you've got, you know, the Dark Knight Batman, and he's, he's kneeling down and kind of training Carrie Kelly and pointing out in the distance for her to use her slingshot. And so, uh, you know, I had seen that at... Uh, at Mile High Comics for years when I was in Los Angeles, and that's on, uh, uh, I think it's on Hollywood Boulevard, Mile High Comics, and uh, on Mile High, what's it called? Meltdown, Meltdown Comics on Hollywood Boulevard. But I had always seen that in their, in their uh, little cases and everything, and I thought it was like the greatest statue ever. And, uh, you know, eventually, I, uh, you know, just recently, I managed to get one off eBay. And, you know, it's great. It came with the box and everything, and I'm, I'm really happy that I have that. And so since this is a Batman podcast, and I hadn't gotten the chance to mention any of that, I just kind of wanted to uh, throw those out there. But um, what about you guys? What's, uh, what's your awesome thing of the week, Mike? Uh, I saw Wreck-It Ralph. Um, 
I enjoyed it. I mean, I guess my main complaint was it, it probably wasn't as video game referential as, like, you know, I would have wanted, but it, it was still a pretty good and, like, very cute and entertaining movie, and it, it was pretty funny, too, so I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone, you know, who's a fan of, like, you know, Pixar films, who's a video gamer, or, you know, any, anyone, you know, it's it's fun for the whole family, basically, you know, take your kids to see it, it's, it's a very entertaining movie. Well, I mean, I, I saw, like, a random clip of it for a second, like, what's the main premise, because I saw, like, this guy Ralph, but it seemed like Hubert and Pac-Man and some guys were in the in the background or something? Um, he's, he's a, like, they, they all live in an, in an arcade, basically. Now, kids, an arcade, in the olden times, an arcade was a series of video games in what we call cabinets, where you had, you could pay a quarter <laughs> and play them in, like, in a social setting, but those don't seem to exist anymore. I so, remember I mean, the time yeah. I went to the arcade on Cybertron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, they all live in an arcade, and, like, they, their jobs are basically, you know, they have to play out the games, right? And then, like, you know, when the arcade shuts down, they all, like, go to this place called Game Central, which is in the, like, basically in the surge protector, or, like, the, 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 elect, the uh, what do you call it? the socket, like, stick. Like, they all travel through the uh, the outlets and stuff, and, like, they go to Game Central, where it's, like, all full of, like, you know, video game characters and stuff, and uh, Ralph's, like, the, the bad guy of a game called Rec- uh, Fix-It Felix Jr., where, like, he has to wreck things, and Fix-It Felix Jr. has to fix them and stuff, and, like, you know, he gets sick of being the bad guy, and, like, he, you know, get he always has to lose and stuff, so he tries to go in a bunch of different other games and, like, win, like, some kind of medal so he can, like, be a hero and stuff, and, like, he kind of goes into, like, a Halo or Gears of War rip-off game, and, like, he, it's funny, he's like, you know, him and, like, Fixit Felix have to go into that, and they're like, you know, when did video games become so violent? You know, they're, like, all, like, killing bugs and stuff, and blood's going all over the place. And then uh, they have to go into sort of, like, a Mario Kart-like game. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give too much of the plot away, but, uh, um... Basically, it's it's just an examination of, you know, what it means to be a good guy and what it means to be a bad guy and stuff. And, you know, there, there were a lot of, like, you know, licensed cameos and stuff of existing video game characters, which were really neat. And, you know, like, uh, for me, like, you know, it, it was nice to see, like, you know, Ryu and Ken and M. Bison and Zangief all getting lines and stuff. Oh, and, okay. you know, it, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like, you know, it shows like the the Street Fighter game and, you know, Ryu is like, Shouruken! and then like the game ends and he's like, well, Ken, you want to go get like, you know, around at, at the bar or whatever? And Ken's like, yeah, OK. And then they just walk off screen and stuff, you know, when the like the arcade closes. So it's, it's kind of like that. But yeah, yeah, and, and like Qbert was uh, his game had been shut down. So like in, in Game Central, it's like Qbert and like all his like little like co-stars are all like you know in a corner like a homeless person, and it's like game, need like cash for a game or need like food or something. And, like, Ralph's, like, giving them, like, some fruit he stole from Pac-Man. He's like, you know, buck up, guys. You know, they might make a new Q-Bert, you know, someday or something, you know. But it, it was all pretty funny. Cool. No, that that sounds awesome. Um, so what about what about you, Justin? You got some awesome things for us this week? 
Um, I'm watching Law and Order season eight. Um, you know, like I said on a previous show, like I'm one of those crazy people who can watch like 12 hours of Law and Order and not like be bored or anything. Like it's just like you know, eating like one piece of candy out of the other. It's like you can't stop. Um, but season eight is uh, the first season with uh, J.K. Simmons as one of my favorite like reoccurring characters of Doctor Skoda, and uh, you know. Some of you out there may best remember him as uh, J. Jonah Jameson from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and Ultimate Spider-Man. But uh, season eight's been pretty good so far. I've only got like one or two discs left, so uh, it's been pretty good. Cool. Sounds good. So, uh, yeah, like like we were talking about, uh, if you enjoyed what we were talking about, you may want to check out the movie Hunter Prey and the comic book uh, arc and event, you know, Batman Night of the Owls. And then plus we've got some other things that we just talked about, like the, you know, direct-to-video films, uh, Law & Order Season 8 for TV, and then in the movies, uh, Wreck-It Ralph. So uh, thanks for listening. Um, but before we go, I just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Tom Spielman, who uh, recently commented on our most recently posted Fan Holes podcast. Uh, this was from uh, Podcast 57, where we talked about Uncanny Avengers from Marvel Now and Ultimate Spider-Man. And uh, Tom writes, uh, great episode, guys. Nice to hear your thoughts on Ultimate Spider-Man. So thanks a lot for the comment, Tom. Uh, I'm glad that you uh, liked hearing our take on Ultimate Spider-Man. I know we kind of kvetched a lot and bitched and moaned. <laughs> the hate was but, uh, strong. I'm glad you were, you were entertained by it. And uh, if anybody else, you know, has any comments they'd like to share, whether it's on the blog spot or Facebook or, you know, just sending us emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com, you know, feel free to do so um, if, you, if you hated it. Um, you know, send us some hate mails. If you're like, what the hell are you talking about? You're insane. You know, Batman does not need Joe Chill. And you want to write us, you know, a 50-page essay on it, uh, send it to us. We probably won't read the 50-page essay. But, you know, send it to us and let us know. And we'll, uh, we'll say your name on air and, and, and let people know that you, uh, you wrote in. So uh, thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, please keep coming back and checking out the podcast, the sidecasts, the blogs, and everything we have on the site. All right, guys, this is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. It's Mike Thunderwing. Adios. Justin Grimlock. Peace. Peace in the, uh, in the bowels of the Twelve Gods' belt. Sorry, I had oh. mute on. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I'm like I talking, out but you can't hear me! I was like, what is, what's wrong? Don't you remember me? It's me, hey, Mike. Mike. I've been on this podcast for 30 hey. years. How did you get this um, Skype number? What are you doing here?